Welcome to the situation room. Welcome to the situation room. Welcome to the situation room. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Situation Room. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. Um, you guys can find us on Twitter. He's at Gabe Fergie. I'm at Raven Sit Room. Um, and, and here we are, Gabe. Uh, this will be the last one that we do that are, is actually going to cover gameplay from the 2020 season. And um, wow, did this end in not the way that I expected it would. Yeah, this, this game was really shocking from the offensive side of the ball. I th- I think that there was a lot of things on the tape and on the statistics that we looked at going into this game that suggested the Ravens would be able to move the ball quite easily on this Buffalo defense. Um, I mean, just the week before, you know, the Ravens put up like 450 yards on their opponent. The Colts were able to put up about 450 yards on the Bills. Um, and that's not at all what we saw in this game. Now, there was obviously some major flaws in execution, but I think both of us looked at the game plan and, and the overall lack of adjustments and we're kind of, kind of all struck or maybe not all struck, but just kind of struck by what we thought the Ravens should have been doing and how they went about doing it was, was not what we wanted to see. Yeah. And before we start to get into some of this, I get, I guess this is my question, right? If you are the Baltimore Ravens and you're going into this game, I, I asked myself two questions. One, what am I going to do if the wind or the weather, because we're in Buffalo, is so bad that we can't do some of the things that we game plan? So what are we going to do to take advantage of or protect ourselves against whatever that weather is going to be? And two, when we effectively run the ball, which we think that we can do, and then they get really aggressive in terms of run stopping, what are we going to do to attack that? And I, I and, and I think that you have to answer those two questions together. And so maybe the Ravens, thought that they had an answer to what that was and they weren't ready for the weather. And so they decided that they thought that they couldn't throw the ball from what they were seeing in pregame and what they, what they game planned. And so they just scrapped the whole thing. But how, I, I mean, that's all people were asking Lamar about the snow. I was watching the weather. You were watching the weather. Come on guys. Like, like you know, I think that from at the very foremost approach to this game level there was huge failures on the offensive side of the ball and you know we'll talk about the defense later but not on the defensive side of the ball and so to me somebody's got to bear the brunt of that and to me that's not the players and and because it didn't happen on the defensive side and it's not John Harbaugh because it didn't happen on the defensive side I you know and I don't blame Justin Tucker for what happened on his kicks because and he talked about his kicks he, he said he thought they felt good when he kicked them. And if Tucker says that they felt good when he kicked them, I trust him on that, right? So if special teams was ready and defense was ready, there's only one guy that's that's victim, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, clearly you're, you're implicating Greg Roman here. Um, I think there's a lot of players, I mean, not players, I shouldn't say that, but I mean, I did see some things on Twitter today that suggested maybe some players were upset with the how the game ended um, and how, this, how some of those things have, going with with Roman um but obviously whenever you have an offense that puts up three points in a game there's there has to be fingers pointed on the offensive side of the ball and and this isn't the first time we've seen this kind of egg being laid in the playoffs either we saw it two years ago against the Chargers you know there was there was some issues that wasn't Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator but he was still heavily involved in the game plan phase um, and, and in the run game coordinating for for the offense, 
Um, obviously, last year against Tennessee, the offense um, was a little bit more, you know, productive in terms of the yards, but they kind of failed in the small areas. Uh, and, and this game, and this one, like you mentioned, there just didn't seem to be kind of a secondary plan in order to kind of figure out how we're going to attack this defense if they do X. And what that X was, basically, after the first drive, they decided we're just going to load up the box and be really aggressive and attack Lamar Jackson in the running game and in the passing game. And instead of coming up with a way to combat that, the Ravens just kind of did the same thing and failed at executing at the same time. And it was just this catastrophe that we saw where even when the Ravens could move the ball, they weren't able to get it to a point where they could score points. And they just didn't really seem to have an answer until it was too late. You know, let's start with the first drive. And I think that that is the culmination of the the entire problem that the Ravens had, which was that they revealed what they wanted to do on that drive when they ran it nine times in a row, I think, or, or whatever the number was before they even attempted the first pass. And they were running all over Buffalo. They had a scheme. They had a thing that was working. And they just did it over and over and over again. And by the time that they were done, Buffalo had a sense of what it was, and they were hell-bent on stopping it. And there was, and at that point, Baltimore had no other answers. It, the irony is that Baltimore was running the ball so well that at that point, after every first down they picked up, they, they could have thrown the ball two or three times in a row after that and saved those runs, kept Buffalo on their heels, made them – think that the pass was coming, made them think that the Ravens were in a pass-heavy set, and then pick up seven, eight, nine-plus yards when they wanted to run it. And so take the dinks and take the dunks and take what is not working and is a trade-off to not revealing what is working and not forcing the hand of the other team to completely go all in to stop the thing that you think that you could do. Yeah, there was just a complete lack of creativity. And the the run game that we saw wasn't anything that was different. It was the same kind of plays that they've been doing basically the whole like second half of the season. Um, you know, all, all this power, all this counter bash, and it was working in that first drive. Like the the Bills were not really prepared for it, I guess, because they were still saying, okay, we're going to wait and see what this Ravens offense is going to do. But then they made an adjustment really fast, and the Ravens did not make that secondary adjustment. They kept trying to do the same thing, and it, and the Bills, you know, were able to make those adjustments and really shut it down. And, it, you know, there was a few, you know, pass plays that Lamar was able to make. He was able to make a few plays with his legs to kind of keep drives going. Um, but it was really ugly. Like, watching this Ravens offense, it just looked like they didn't have any idea um, what they're doing. And they, it was, even in a game where you weren't getting down, they just felt like they were out of it already. Like, it felt like when it was zero to three, it felt like they were down two touchdowns because there was just no sense of any semblance of real offense coming from them. And, you know, one of the things that drove me nuts was the way the Ravens used these condensed formations. And they just, you know, have everybody like basically in the middle of the field. And it's just asking the other team to load the box against you, eight, nine players that you have to get around. And I know they want to do that because they want to, be able to use their speed to get the edge and then you can get big plays off of that if you get it blocked up properly but with the amount of players that the bills were able to bring to stop them they weren't gaining the edges so it was just really ineffective and there was 
And when you have that many players around the line of scrimmage, you also take away the, the misdirection because they were really flooding both sides of, of, the, of the line. So you couldn't really even take advantage of, of having that ability to kind of like, you know, send the, the defense flowing one direction and, and then bring the ball back the other way. They didn't do any jet sweeps. They didn't do any screens. They didn't attempt like one wide receiver screen, one running back screen, one anything like that. They didn't even, I don't know if they had attempted like a real true play action kind of like, you know, pass to Ricard or, or RPO or something like that until the second half. And it's just, you know, how, how these other possible ways that you can attack a defense that is loading the box against you or completely not part of the offensive scheme or even as a backup plan is just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, where where were the jet sweeps? Where was the motion? Where are all the bells and whistles that we saw the last six weeks? We saw very few of them against Buffalo, and, and I don't know what the decision on that was. I don't know if they thought that, that – Buffalo wasn't going to bite on any of the pass action or any of the backside action, or they thought that the protection was going to be there. But regardless, you know, even if that's what they were doing, then you have to have an alternative to attack it. The, the Ravens didn't do that. You know, we saw more of this same old, same old, run it on first down every single time, get behind the sticks when it doesn't work. Um, and then, and then just be stuck in this position where then the, the defensive lineman can, put pin their ears back and come back after Lamar and you pair that with a pretty poor offensive line performance and you get the result that the Ravens saw. Yeah. And it was just kind of, you know, a culmination of all these issues coming up for the Ravens. You know, they've had issues pass blocking at times this year. I thought they had cleaned it up headed into this game. Like they had played better down the stretch, but the Bills are really aggressive. They blitzed a lot. And that's something that the Ravens hadn't really seen too much of, I don't think. Um, the Titans did it a little bit, but not nearly this much. And the offensive line just wasn't able to pass block. I, don't, I think J.K. Dobbins had a really poor job in, in pass protection. Um, ben Powers was really bad in pass protection. Macari was pretty bad. You know, the Fluker-Phillips rotation, which I, I'm not sure why you're still doing that in, this, in the second playoff game, why you're still doing a rotation at right tackle neither one of them was, was very good either. It was really, I mean, I think Bozeman and and Brown on the left side held their own for the most part, but it seemed like, you know, Lamar was constantly under duress and they just didn't have any answer in order to make the Bills pay for the, the aggressiveness that they were showing up front. And that's just kind of the theme of the entire game. Yeah, and part of that ultimately ends up being, you know, this this kind of lack of depth and lack of kind of quality offensive line that the Ravens thought that they could come into the season with. I mean, um, you know, you're starting at guard, a guy that you drafted this year. Um, you know, obviously they lost Andre Smith, but the backup being, you know, DJ Fluker, who you signed off the street before you started this year as well. There was not an overcommitment on the Ravens part to make sure that if anything happened on the offensive line, that they they were ready, you know, and, and part of the reason why Skura, I think, played so long to start this year is because there weren't options. Um, I would have liked the Ravens to, to, to have gone out and, and, you know, I said this in a few places have gone out and signed out or traded for Alex Mack before the end of this year and brought in a veteran center and they chose not to do anything like that. So there were things that this team probably could have done to shore up at least one of those positions on the offensive line before we got to these last six weeks. And, and, you know, they chose not to do that. So, um, you know, I, I think Eric DaCosta, you know, takes some sense of ownership of, of what we saw from this offensive line, but all of that being said, 
we know that the offensive line didn't look great against Tennessee. Uh, my guess is that we saw how good the offensive line did or didn't look in practice all week, and that should adjust your game plan as well. If the offensive line isn't playing well, didn't play well last week, and isn't playing well through kind of essentially the, by the end of the third drive, it looked like the offensive line was not going to win against this Buffalo Bills defensive line. At that point, there has to be an alternative plan for what you want to do in those instances, and it's got to be the kind of thing that that's that's the kind of thing on Wednesday night that should be keeping Greg Roman up at night. And so, you know, maybe something else is, but the alternates of the plans of what he wants to do really were not sufficient, um, you know, for a weakness that we knew was likely to be the biggest culprit of weakness of this team coming into the year. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, you know, the injuries, you know, hurt the offensive line. I think it took him a while to kind of come to with the final five players that they were playing with as starters, um, or I guess six because they're still rotating right tackle. Um, but it's, I think, you know, there definitely has to be, like we've said it a lot now, there has to be some kind of backup plan. There has to be something that you can say, okay, if, if we're not, you know, running the ball well, we can go to this or we can, you know, go to the quick passing game. And it took them to really to the second half. And, and then, and then, you know, when they came out in their first drive in the second half, they actually looked pretty good. They had some quick passes to the sneed. They had, some RPOs. I mean, everything was like, this is okay. This is the adjustment that should have been made like three drives ago. Like, why is it taking all the way to the second half in order to make these adjustments? And that was the only drive that the Ravens had with Lamar Jackson in the, in the second half of the game, because basically they, the, the end of the third quarter was, was Jackson getting hurt. And then that was pretty much the game at that point. So, you know, obviously that good drive that they had to go down ended up in catastrophe when, when Jackson threw the interception, um, it kind of just, flip the game on his head right there um and it, obviously that's kind of one of those plays that just like com- completely takes the wind out of your sails um and it's been such a struggle just to get the ball down the field during this game to, to finally get it down there inside the 10 and then just have that happen it's just it's devastating um but yeah you know two two things that i'd say here one is you know part of the reason that drive worked in the second half was because they were throwing on first down during that drive. Like I think there were three or four throws on that drive that were, were on first downs in that game. And the running game still was not working. Buffalo was still kind of selling out underneath um, to stop the run, keeping guys wide to keep the lanes and the edges away from them and kind of going all out to stop the run. It, It was not hard to find the gaps right behind where those rushers were coming from. You could just run two seams or two curls or two things over the middle, and you were going to find a guy every single play. And Greg Roman, wh- why we could, why we chose to run it nine times on the first drive in a row, but then couldn't just throw that same pass to Sneed and Andrews over and over and over again until they changed their game plan was mind-boggling to me. But it makes it so easy to be a defensive coordinator kind of against that system. The other thing I'd say is that I think that Lamar, look, Lamar was not void of kind of any responsibility in this game. I I said this on um, on Film Studies podcast, um, and you guys should definitely check that out, filmstudybaltimore.com, um, Kemi Cusick, um, at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Um, I joined him for his offensive podcast last week, and my criticism was that I felt like Lamar didn't make quick enough decisions. And I think that was the problem that we saw in this game against Buffalo. 
he waited too long to try and throw it to Andrews. And by then the hole was closing. If he th- would have thrown it sooner. I think the pl- there was a play to be made there, but against the zone, you can't kind of wait that extra second to make the throw at that point. He's got to pull the ball down there and try and run it in and make sure that he's covering it up. If he does try and run it in, so he's not going to turn the ball over there so they can kick the field goal and, and, you know, keep the game within a score. Um, yeah. I, so the, the interception was obviously a, a really horrific play. Like he just looked like he didn't see that defender, that underneath defender. And, you know, that's just as a quarterback, you can't make that mistake in that situation. You have to be able to have a better, you know, idea for where players are on the field. Um, but that's not the only play that he, he made some big mistakes. You know, I think that's the sack that he took on the Ravens first drive. Um, that was just a brutal play there. And, and I thought, you know, it was an interesting play call. You know, they've been running it down the field. Um, first down, play action. Lamar sees the defender in his face. He could have, you know, he could have gone away from it if he just, like, rolled the other way. Um, he, the pocket was still there. He could have gone away from that defender, but he chose to kind of, like, stay in the pocket. Um, he thought he could make the defender miss, but he didn't. And that that right there, you know, killed the drive. Um, because he didn't get rid of the ball or he didn't try to make a play with his legs. Um, that's something we've seen from him at times this year. He can sometimes be too confident in himself and his ability to make plays, I think. And it really bit him in that one. It bit the Ravens pretty badly. Um, obviously, you have a promising drive. It looks like it's, you're going to go down and score seven and you get zero points. Um, and that, that play was a big reason as to why that happened. Um, so... Th- there's other plays too, you know, he, he missed some receivers. He, he didn't make the right choice on a few plays. Some of the, some of the runs were, you know, questionable. I'm just, he played, a, I would say a below average game for him. And that's not the formula for success, especially when you have, you know, questionable play calling and a really poor performance from the offensive line. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the snapping from Makari yet. That That's like real, real atrociousness right there. And there's a couple of snaps that also could have been errant and, and Jackson was able to corral them. Um, it was just all around disappointing effort. Um, I think for most players on the offense, um, did, did you take anything away from the offense that was, was not <laughs> doom and gloom? I, I mean, I, I think we ought to, if we're throwing shade in this moment beyond those moments, I think we also have to throw a little shade at, at J.K. Dobbins as well. You know, two huge drops in this game, really, really not cutting it in terms of pass coverage um, or sorry, pass like pass rush blocking. Um, yeah, yeah the, the whole team. I, Ricard was bad at it this week. I, I, they were all bad at it this week. I, I don't know why they were so bad at it, but they were all bad at it this week. Um you know, I guess the silver lining is Marquise Brown. You know, he had he had a really nice game and he's looked every part of kind of the receiver. I think the Ravens thought he could be or expected him to be coming into the season. Yeah, I think I think we both agree on that. I mean, he's definitely turned it on the second half of the season. Um, ever since Lamar Jackson came back from COVID, you know, he seems like a different receiver, more confident um, in his ability to get open, more confident at the catch point, um, you know, more aggressive after catching the ball, getting some of the yard after the catch. Um, and he's just been doing a, a really fantastic job of getting open. Like just watching him play after play, make some, some of the better cornerbacks in the league look silly. He made Tredavious White look really bad in a couple of plays in, the, in this, in this game. He's just, I think he's someone who is on the 
right trajectory going up. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, you have that you can build on in this Ravens offense. Um, the offensive line on the other side is, is something that is going to be a major cause of concern moving forward. Yeah. Let me also throw Mark Andrews in that bunch as you know, he's, he look, the Ravens need to keep Mark Andrews around. He's a fantastic player, but he has got to focus in big moments on catching the ball in traffic and making tough catches. Uh, You're not, you know, if he's going to continue to drop those balls and, and he can't make the difference there, then I would rather the Ravens invest that money that they'd have to put into Andrews somewhere else because you you need to be able to trust your guys to go and make big catches and you you either need to trust guys to be able to go and make contested catches because that's the way your offense is built or you need a guy that's going to be able to kind of be underneath that and be a guy that you're going to to scheme open because he is effective in a different way and the Ravens don't do that they ask him to make tough downfield seam route vertical catches they ask him to make catches in traffic they ask they, they ask him to be this guy that Lamar is looking to in the end zone in big moments if that's what they're going to ask him to be his hands just they just have to improve hard stop yeah he he's definitely for for a player of his you know general caliber i i think his hands are definitely the weakness in his game and that's not something you want from a tight end someone who's supposed to be very reliable um he drops it too too often granted like you said he does have to come down with some contested catches um and that's part of you know the role that he has being that tight end um and he can make those plays sometimes but he definitely doesn't do it at the rate that you want to see and i I don't know like i i I think he's someone that you do want to build around I, i mean he's shown so much upside so much potential um but in big moments we've seen him not live up to that billing and and i think you have to really ask is, is he the player that you are going to pay, you know, top dollar at at the position or is he someone who um, maybe you can get, you know, good enough production from somebody else. It's, it's not something I I really thought I would see myself saying, but it it seems like there's definitely a consistent shying away from the moment in in the big games with, with him. And it's hard to, it's hard to really, you know, admit to that but i think it's the sad reality it's something look we get another year before i think the ravens need to decide and i don't think that the ravens should be extending andrews this offseason at this point but i think we get to find out next year if we change the offense and we change what we're doing if he's a if he's a guy that's going to stick or if he isn't but you know at the very very end of the day this is my thing for the, the ravens offense is that i think that we're working the wrong way you talked about tight kind of formations, keeping everything bunched to the line of scrimmage. I think the Ravens need to start out the other way around. They need to start wide. They need to start in the passing game. They need, it needs to be easy throws. It needs to be bubble screens. It needs to be stuff that is going to really widen these teams out and really make them think that they're going to throw the ball. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are going to have success running against six-man fronts out of four wide formations with five guys blocking in front of them that aren't even that good. Like, like we, the, the running back talent that this team is going to have heading into next year can make do without exceptional scheme, right? To me, the wide receivers that we have in the passing game and Lamar's ability cannot survive without great scheme. Patrick Mahomes can go into any passing offense and he's going to be effective because he's got a cannon for an arm. He's exceptional at reading defenses and he's he's that good of a quarterback, right? That is not what Lamar Jackson does well. So scheme up the things that you don't do well to, to accommodate for where your weaknesses are. And then when you have to rely on the things that you're good at, 
rely on the things that you're good at, but don't invest all your time and invest all your scheme and invest all your cap dollars into the places that aren't directly helping, you know, this team. Uh, it's, you know, you can't blame Marshall Yonda. You can't blame any player in the NFL for retiring ever. They should all retire a year sooner than they actually do. Probably two or probably three for their health. But I just wonder what the season would have looked like if, if a Marshall Yonda that was healthy played all 18 games with this team. Um, I, 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 I think that that would have been such a fundamental difference maker, which I didn't think it was going to be headed into the season. And, and that either that right guard or the right tackle spot were such glaring holes for this team. And, and the Ravens just, they didn't have the depth in those positions to be able to survive any losses there. Yeah. And I think more so than the depth of the position, because I think we did see some decent O-line play over the course of the season. It wasn't ideal, but they didn't have the scheme to be able to make up for those deficits. And I think that's the, my bigger takeaway was they weren't able to identify, okay, this is maybe not what we do best. So we're going to try this instead. Um, Maybe they got into that a little bit with how they changed the the run game. Um, But I think especially in in pass protection, it was, it was an issue and it it definitely like reared up in a big way in this game. Um, I, I think, you know, they don't really take advantage of Lamar Jackson's skill set. And that's the thing I think that bothers me in the offense. They, do, they don't really utilize his ability to move. Um, they don't do any kind of intention, like, you know, rollouts or, or moving the pocket or, or getting him, you know, out into like some space where he can either find an open receiver or, you know, make plays with his legs. Like almost everything was just him either breaking the pocket because of pressure and then like either scrambling for, for yardage or, you know, finding someone open downfield, or it was just him, you know, kind of being corralled and, and, and sacked that happened a lot in this game, obviously, but there was just not the ability to really take advantage of what he offers you. And, and they need to do a better job of that in the future. I don't know if it's going to be Greg Roman or not. Who's going to be the offensive coordinator. We, I mean, we haven't heard that, but they definitely need to find some new ideas, whether it's bringing in a, a different passing game coordinator, a different quarterback coach, someone who can really figure out a way to maximize the potential you have in Jackson. I think, you know, we, we talked about Hollywood Brown. I think there really should be another wide receiver who compliments him better than what they have out there as well. I think having someone who's more of a reliable go-to player that can make the plays in the crunch time moments that the Jackson can really trust um, is something that this team really, really needs. And I, I know there's kind of mixed opinions on that, but when you really have one guy who you feel confident getting open in Marquise Brown um, and him sometimes, you know, being more of a kind of like the deep threat than like the contested catch guy. It, it it does limit your ability to kind of, you know, find that one person who you need to go to on like the third and 10. And, you know, Andrews might be that guy, but he hasn't been able to do that always either. So I think they're one piece away in terms of playmakers and definitely need to improve the offensive line and then take a look at the scheme. Those, those are the things that I'm, that I'm thinking about. Yeah, you know, my my only quibble with that would be that I don't think that Kansas City has a guy like that. Like Tyreek Hill does make contested catches, but he's the same size as Hollywood Brown. I think that, you know, 
if Hollywood's hands are as good as they were the last seven weeks versus the prior, you know, nine weeks, then, then we're in a different kind of conversation. But I think that he can be kind of at that. He's obviously not Tyreek Hill, but I think he can make enough contested catches to be at the same level for what he does. Andrews and Kelsey are close to kind of, I, I think close to the same level or could be if used correctly. Um, you know, beyond that, they don't have a whole lot. They, they don't have, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm not buying that the Ravens need to go all in to, to sign a big time wide receiver that is this kind of number one guy to fix the problem that they have. Well, so a couple of things that I, I completely disagree about with that, because one, Patrick Mahomes isn't Lamar Jackson. He he makes an incredible number of plays um, with his arm that, that Jackson can't do. And also, he's really good moving around as well. So like he, he has the ability to to make plays with his legs and with his arm. Um, and, and Jackson can do that to a certain extent, but he doesn't have the same infrastructure around him. He doesn't have the same passing schemes. Um, Travis Kelsey is, I'm sorry, he's worlds better than, than Mark Andrews. He, <laughs> he, he had, what, 100, how many catches? Or how many, sorry, he had 105 catches this year. You know, Kelsey, I think, or Andrews has probably maxed out at like, what, like 55 on a season. Like, I don't think you can compare their numbers head to head because the scheme though. Okay. But you can also just look at them and see that Kelsey's always open. Like he's, he's a guy who is that go-to guy and pretty much any situation. He's someone who, if you're not double teaming, he's going to get open. And I, I don't think that's Andrews. Um, and, and Kelsey can beat you pretty much at any level. Um, and, 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 you know, Andrews is good. I, I really like him. He's a very good tight end. Kelsey is elite, 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 um, especially as a pass catcher. And, that's something that I think the Ravens lack. And it doesn't, and like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be a wide receiver. It just has to be somebody that you can go to. And I would say that Kelsey is that guy in the Kansas City offense more than Tyreek Hill is, as good as Hill can be at times as well. But I just don't think that the Ravens' weapons are at that level. I don't think their offensive line is at that level. I don't think the scheme is at that level. I don't think the quarterback's at that level. So, like, Maybe there's some pieces that you can you can work with with the Ravens. Like they have some good players. Obviously, Lamar Jackson was a previous MVP, but it's just not quite where they have it in Kansas City. The only I agree that you, you can't. It's not apples to apples comparing their passing game to the Ravens' passing game. Um, that being said, you know I don't know if you saw 538. They put an article out about why Patrick Mahomes is so good um, before this last set of games this upcoming weekend. And there's a direct line in there that says Patrick Mahomes is fantastic throwing the ball. He can do things that no other quarterback can. That's why he has the second highest QBR in the league over the last three years. You know who has the first QBR in the league the last three years? I mean, I would say it's probably Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson. So I mean, you can say, so, so I guess what I'm saying is that I will be, I'm willing to give you all of what you just said, but we discount all of that by saying that what Lamar can do with his legs is exceptionally more than what Mahomes can do. And that, that trade-off, at least from a QBR perspective. And I, look, I'm not saying Lamar Jackson is better than Patrick Mahomes, but I'm saying that that I'll trade you all those things for Lamar Jackson's legs and kind of the things that the Ravens should be able to do on fourth downs and short distances and all those things that I don't think they do currently, which is not necessarily Lamar Jackson's fault. The other thing I would say is that so far through the first three years of his career, Mark Andrews has more receiving yards than Travis Kelsey had through the end of his first three years. And basically... Last year, um, 
Travis or in his second year, Mark Andrews had the same number of yards as Travis Kelsey. Obviously, this year, Andrews missed a couple games as well um, and was not that far off from when and- or Kelsey did his first couple years either. So, yes, Travis Kelsey is miles better if you're going to kind of compare them right today. But I think that Mark Andrews can give you what Travis Kelsey can. He needs to get stronger. He needs to improve his hands. The Ravens need to be in obviously a much, you know, I think Travis Kelsey had two times as many targets as Lamar or as Mark Andrews, let alone two times as many catches as a starting point. So I think, I think, I also think that the Mark Andrews gets a ton of attention in the Ravens offense. Like the Ravens offense actually bothered to open itself up from a passing perspective. Teams would not be able to double Mark Andrews as much as they have. And the Ravens would be able to do a lot more to take advantage of that. But all that being said, you know, look, I, if getting Lamar Jackson a receiver that he trusts to make big time throws is this, it will fix the problems. Then, then I'm totally down for it. Right. For me, the cho- if the choice was signing Brandon Scherf and the choice was signing insert any wide receiver free agent this upcoming year, I'm hands down paying Brandon Scherf, whatever it takes to bring him here, plugging in an interior guard that can give me two guards that can pull in both directions. Give me protections against the mediocre safety Give me an offensive line that I think can get protection. I mean, if you're going, you're, if you're going to roll with Stanley, Bozeman, Scherf, and Orlando Brown, and actually put reasonable veteran depth behind them as backups on the offensive line, this is a this is a team that would have probably also be Buffalo with with that iteration. And it kind of goes back to my Yonda point from earlier. You put you put an All Pro caliber player into that spot and, and at guard instead of the junk that we saw this year. And Powers did have a good three or four game stretch there but not the last couple games. And, and I think it makes a huge, it, it, a bigger game-changing difference than a, than a wide receiver. I, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. And the, the, the offensive line is clearly kind of the fundamental part of, of any offense that's really playing at a high level. Like you look and see every single top offense and it's almost always offensive line that's there. Um, you know, sometimes there's exceptions. I, I think, you know, Kansas City might be a, a slight exception this year. They've gotten kind of okay offensive line play. It hasn't been great. Um, but they also have, you know, exceptional, exceptional elite talent at the skill positions. And they have probably, if not the best, like one of the best, you know, passing schemes in, in the NFL. So I think, you know, there's a lot of places where the Ravens need to improve. And, and at this point, we're kind of just beating a dead horse. Like, we obviously, I think we need to see improvement in the scheme. I think that an offensive line would elevate the current personnel to, to a, a degree where you don't have, like, the worst passing offense in the NFL. You can get away with having maybe a bottom half or bottom third passing offense as long as the running offense is still playing at a high level. But if you don't have that ability to pass the ball in critical moments – then I think that's when you're in a, in a problem. And, and clearly the Ravens didn't trust their passing game in this one because they were seeing the 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 looks from the defense that says you should pass here. And they just didn't say, okay, you're we're going to not pass here even though you're basically begging us to. Instead, we're just going to keep doing the thing that we feel most comfortable with because that's how we've basically played the past two years combined so like we're not going to change what we do and i think that goes back to something that you were saying earlier in the year talking about the stubbornness and the arrogance of this ravens offense where they said you know we're just going to do what we're do- we're going to do and we're going to beat you at it but in this instance and previous instances during the season they weren't winning it doing that so you really have to reevaluate and take a step back and look at yourself and say what 
can we do to change that kind of pattern of behavior? And how can we be more multiple in what we can do on offense? How can we have the different threats that will attack you, whether it's the running game, we can spread you out and run, we can spread you out and pass the ball, we can go heavy and pass the ball. Like just do things, as we've said so many times this year, that isn't predictable. You aren't doing the thing that the defense is expecting and looking to stop. Just do the thing that will take advantage of what they're showing you. And far too often the Ravens fail to do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think all, I agree with kind of all of, all of those pieces and kind of the Ravens inability to, to be able to scheme that up. So hopefully, you know, hopefully see, we see some changes and some adjustments, whether it's, it's new coaching or the same coaching, I'm fine with whatever it comes down to be, but I, I don't want to see the same offense next year. Um, as we head into it. But, you know, let's talk about the defense a little bit. And, you know, I know you were with Ken McCusick on um, Film Studies podcast for the defense. Um, guys should definitely check that one out as well. But, hey, the defense played a heck of a game, particularly in the secondary, I thought, this past week. Yeah, the secondary was really um, what, what's shown in this one. And, um, you know, going back and rewatching this game on offense was just painful. Going back and rewatching it on defense was was really impressive it was, it was just like the opposite like wow they really had a great scheme they were able to take advantage of the conditions you know they they did all the things that i kind of wanted them to do they mixed up man coverage they mixed up zone coverage they kind of you know had josh allen guessing what he was looking at at times they didn't bring a ton of blitzes which is something that you know that wink martindale loves to do he loves to blitz but you know they blitzed him at in kind of the smart times and, and good in good positions. And it, it really kind of got to down a couple times. Um, basically like they did everything they needed to do to win the game, but it, it just with the way that the offense was playing, it wasn't enough. And it's disappointing because, you know, we've, we've seen kind of back and forth this year, the, the defense has kind of you know, fluctuated. They finally got healthy at the right time. They got all their players in the secondary, they got all the players, you know, up front, and they, and it all came together. It was, it was it was exactly what you wanted to see, but you know, just, just didn't work out for them. Yeah, they played they played exceptionally well, kind of across the board. You know, since you dove into this with Ken a little bit more deeply, you know, I, I'm curious. I thought the pass rush would probably be the one area where I'd say it didn't look great for the Ravens um, in that game. And I mean. <laughs> As much as I mean, what's interesting about playoff football is a team is willing to do whatever it takes to win and sell out in the process to do it. And you have to be able to, in that moment, beat them in a different way to be able to do that or kind of know that that's coming and attack it. And so from a defensive pass scheme, especially in the secondary, it seemed like I totally agree. The Ravens were kind of right on the ball about the checks and where Allen was going to go. I think only on that one digs pass where, where they beat over the top, everything else was covered, even on kind of the miscued throws from Allen. Um, those were going to be really tough catches in those instances. Um, but I thought the pass rush just wasn't, wasn't that great. And, you know, you can obviously weigh in here, but I think that bodes poorly for Matt Judon and Unique Ngakwe's presence on this team next year because if you're not gonna if you're gonna have two guys playing on the franchise tag and at a franchise tag ish level contract and they are not gonna generate rush on their own in a game where a team threw the ball all but one time in the first half and the two of the other runs were quarterback runs like and and they weren't designed runs they were just scrambles so. 
they're going to throw it every single time in the first half. And you're still not going to generate a rush when you know, you can pin your ears back and get after these guys. And you don't have to worry about stopping the run. Um, those are pass rushers. I'm not sure I want on my team next year. So a, a few things. So part of it was scheme. Um, they definitely didn't, they definitely tried to con- contain. Like if you, if you look at the way they rushed, they, they didn't rush past the quarterback very often. They definitely tried to kind of condense the pocket and kind of, push in um, and try to keep out contained because I don't think they wanted to allow him to to beat them with his legs and they really did contain him as a rusher he didn't really have any rush attempts in this one at all maybe a couple but he didn't pick up anything longer than I think six yards was his biggest rush and I think that was a designed run so as a scrambler he was basically ineffective or sometimes he was able to break contain get outside um, but I think he had a couple completions downfield, but they actually did a pretty good job of limiting him and making plays when he was doing that as well. And that's part of you know what we're talking about with how good the coverage was on the back end. But that goes hand in hand with what you're doing up front. So when you're rushing four, which they did most of the time, it allows you to cover better on the back end. So I think while the pass rush wasn't amazing, they did get to him a few times. Um, they did you know bring blitzes a few times that you know brought him down once. Um, there was a nice blitz to end a drive um, where they brought, I think, six or seven guys, and that really overwhelmed the, the offensive line. I do think if, and you know, this is something I mentioned in, in Ken's podcast too, I think they could have been a little bit more aggressive, maybe blitz a little bit more frequently, although it does limit you, um, you know, some more in the coverages. But the one thing that we both, I'm talking about me and Ken here, we're talking about is you didn't really utilize Patrick Queen as well as you could have in this game. And he's someone who's on the field a lot. They didn't blitz him very much. He pretty much just played coverage. And that's not really his best best skill set. So if you're going to have him on the field, you may as well use him where he's better. And that's moving forward. Um, because he really didn't really have much of an impact on this game. And, and maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing if he wasn't having a negative impact. But I think you could have used him better. The other thing I would say is... Um, Brandon Williams was on the field for the more de- defensive line snaps than anybody else on the Ravens defensive line. Um, he provides almost no pass rush. He had one pass rush event that, that I that I saw. Um, but for the most part, he's kind of a, a neg- negative as a pass rusher out there. So that kind of limits you a little bit when one of your front four is just not someone who's going to get after it. So I think they could have used a little bit more kind of race card um, in terms of, you know, using three, four outside linebackers out there. So those are the kind of nitpicks I would have, but, you know, overall it's hard to really complain too much when, when the defense lets up 10 points to one of the high, high powered offenses in, in the whole league this year. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I mean, I think some of that is adjusted a little bit. It's, there were pro- That was probably more like a 20-point performance, I think, from Buffalo. If you take away the wind, I think Allen hits digs on that one deep shot. And who knows what happens if, if, if that pass is actually completed. They also missed two field goals. So, you know, there's a little bit. And, and to the Ravens' offensive credit as well, you know, with Tucker's missed field goals and things, I think that that, that played a, a part. And obviously you've got the pick six going the other way and all that. So, you know, I, we're really down on the offense, um, you know, and I think it's not quite as bad from the offense's perspective. I think the defense definitely took advantage of the weather um, and kind of what Buffalo was trying to do. It was, it was the perfect – I mean, you couldn't have asked for a whole lot more from uh, from a kind of weather condition perspective for what the defense and the game plan that they brought. But, you know, I agree with you. I, I didn't understand why Brandon Williams, after the first two drives, even played another snap. Um, it was obvious that Buffalo wasn't going to run the ball and that they weren't even going to try and run the ball. And even if 
I mean, I guess you, you assume that they're thinking the Ravens are thinking that Williams presence is the thing that's stopping Singletary from running, but uh, that feels a little arrogant <laughs> as well, if we're going to kind of call it that way. And, and I, I thought Patrick Queen wasn't used as effectively as, as they might as well. I, I mean, I, I think we all wanted to see Patrick Queen be a spy against Josh Allen and to let these guys go after Allen and then do everything else behind them with the other six guys in the same way that you did it. And occasionally change up whether Queen is that spy and kind of whether you're really coming after him. But, um, you know, again, I don't have problems with that. You know, I guess the big question is, you know, are all these investments on the defensive side of the ball, though, ultimately worth it, right? Like if we can hold the Buffalo Bills offense to let's call it 17 points because that's how many they scored, but let's call it because it is what it is, right? If you're going to hold a team that scores as much as Buffalo to 17 points, but in a big moment when teams will do anything and sell out completely to stop something that you're doing is, and you still can't win those games. And, you know, you look at Tennessee last week, the Ravens only put 20 up in that game, right? So we, we are, we're not far away from Buffalo beating the Ravens offensive performance in that game as well. Right. Um, you know, do we continue to invest heavily in the defense? You know, do you keep Brandon Williams around in this upcoming year or is he a guy that you consider cutting? So you have some of those resources that you need both available in 2021, but as well as 2022 to invest in the offense. I think it's a fair question to ask, and Ed Williams is one of the biggest cap numbers on the Ravens next year. Um, about half of that will be dead cap if he's released. So um, it, it's it's a tough question. I, th- I think you can save like seven million dollars if you if you let let him go. I think he's someone maybe you you look to kind of see if he's willing to take a pay cut. Um, but I kind of agree that he, he might be someone who you're looking at and saying is is it really worth the amount that we're giving him for someone who's really a a good run defender. Um, he might not be the best like run defender in the NFL. I don't, I don't know if he ever wore that crown, um, but he's, he's someone who's, who has a positive impact in, in that area for sure. As a pass rusher though, he just doesn't bring it. He just doesn't have that ability. So it's really hard to justify the amount that they're paying him when he only impacts the run game and, and that's something that a lot of teams are really kind of getting away from. So that's, that's definitely a question. Um, you know, you mentioned the pass rush. I'll get back to it because I think Matt Judon had a really good game. Um, he had a sack on on that blitz. He's the guy who actually got the strip sack. Um, he almost had another sack. Um, McPhee ended up getting it, the sack, but, you know, Judon got the pressure. He had several other pressures in this game as well. I think he was not the issue with this one. Um, I think he played a really good game all around. Um Ngakwe did not really do much in this one, so that that's kind of the opposite side. You know, maybe a couple of pressures, but he really hasn't shown what I think the Ravens wanted when they you know traded a third round pick for him. And I know he kind of has that you know twitchy edge edginess that you want from from a guy um, who's going to be rushing the passer, but it's really hard for me to justify bringing him back for what's probably going to be a pretty large number. I think honestly, I'd rather have Judon at this point, you know, three weeks ago, I might've said the other way around, but um, it's just, I just don't think that in this defense that the Ravens have, Judon is more valuable. He does more things. He can drop into coverage. He can rush from different alignments. And Gakwe is really just someone who's going to rush off the edge. And that's pretty much all he does. And he, and he's not a very good run defender. So 
how much money are you really willing to give somebody who's who's important in that one thing he's good at, but is he really at that elite level? I, I'm not sure. So I'd rather have the more versatile player that, that can do a lot of different things for you. Um, and overall, in terms of where the, the defense kind of sits, I kind of want to touch on that too, because the secondary is pretty much in place for next year. And I think that's a great thing. Um, you obviously have Humphrey and Peters. They're being paid a lot of money and they deserve it. They're really good. I thought both of them had really good games in this one. You know, Humphrey kind of let up a couple completions. I think Peters was probably a little better in this one. Humphrey probably had the harder assignment overall, um, playing a lot more in the slot. Um, Chuck Clark didn't have his best game. I think Deshaun Elliott might have had his best game like I've ever seen out of him, especially on the deep end. He was all over the place, you know, matching a lot of receivers who were getting deep. Um, he took away a lot of deep looks that Allen wanted to throw. Um, and I think he did a phenomenal job. So he's someone who's really, I think, come on in, in this season. We all had high ups for him and he, he was pretty solid all year, but I think especially in the past two weeks, he's really shown his ability. And if he can take that to a consistent level next year, I think the Ravens might have a really good player on their hands. Yeah. I mean, it, it's great that they're set up kind of in the secondary because you've got Marshall coming back as well. And Tavon Young, both coming back off of injury. So, um, uh, you, you know, you feel like you're set there. Averett's still on the roster. That's really nice. Right. In the inside linebacker position, I think, is Fort under contract coming? Yeah, Fort, yeah, Fort's under contract though. He could be a guy that gets cut. Um, you know, that's like two plus million. He's fantastic. Um, I mean, he's he's been he's been good, but you know, uh, the Ravens do weird things at inside linebacker that I don't really understand. So you know, just looking at where there might be cap money. Obviously, you've got Ingram already coming off the cap, but all around, even on the defensive line, unless you're cutting anybody other than those outside edge spots, um, you know, the Ravens are mostly intact on, on who they're bringing back on defense. And so, you know, whether it's Ngakwe, whether it's Judon, I mean, there's some interesting names out there, right? Um, you know, Carl Lawson, I think is going to be a, a free agent. Shaq Barrett's a guy that I wouldn't mind seeing replace either, you know, Ngakwe or Judon, if you're looking at kind of similar prices. It's interesting to think a little bit about if you're going to sign a free agent this year, whether or not you're going to get a discount on that on kind of future years, if you're willing to sign someone long-term or if you're willing to kind of wait it out and get somebody at like a little bit more of a discounted rate that Carl Lawson's a guy that kind of reminds me of, he might not get the same kind of attention, but be there kind of later in free agency. And, and maybe he wants to play for kind of a winning team. So, you know, the defense should be mostly there. I, I, I would be, you know, Bowser has to, Bowser's also a guy that's a free agent that's coming into this year. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. You know, the outside linebackers and like basically everybody, but Ferguson on, on the Ravens outside linebacker group, they're all free agents. So, you know, some of them are not going to be the big name guys who are going to get large contracts like McPhee or Jihad Ward. Um, I think they both have a good chance of coming back because of that. But, you know, the other three guys, Ngakwe, uh, Judon and Bowser, they all could potentially get, you know, double digit, um, numbers in a normal off season i don't know what it's going to look like this year it's so hard to say there's a lot of teams who don't have much in terms of free agent or money to spend in this year because of the cap is probably going to be you know closer to 180 million than to 200 million so the ravens are a decent position they have some money to spend um but you know they, they have a few holes to fill and we already talked about their needs on offense so they're really gonna have to make some decisions and you and you know like you, like you said, is it time to kind of pivot away from the defensive side of the ball a little bit and maybe 
um, go and, and try and spend some more money on offense and, and put some players around Lamar Jackson and, and let him really, you know, be the player that I think we all think he can be and that, that he has shown, and but just to get to there to a more consistent level. Um, so it, it's going to be an interesting question. I, I think it's possible that some of these free agents are going to sign any kind of cheap one-year deals just to stick around maybe on the same team or, or go play for a contender. Um, and then kind of reevaluate once you get a, a more normal offseason in terms of the money that's going to be available. I think that's something that we're going to see most likely. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, and I, I mentioned him earlier. I'd, I'd love to see the Ravens, even if he's lost a step and isn't what he was, but I'd love to see Ox Mack be playing center for the Ravens next year. He seems like if he if he wants to play, I think it's going to be a value deal. I think it'll be kind of the last year of his career. I think they could use a, a veteran guy in the middle of that offensive line. Um, that can kind of keep everything tight and and kind of under control. But there there are going to be some interesting names out there in terms of you know what what's available. Um, you know, Romeo Aquara is a guy that that I would be interested kind of in seeing in that second tier of guys that you could sign to what would be a second tier level contract, probably like similar to you know what Bowser I you know what Bowser would typically value at you know in a down year and, and maybe you're able to going to seal a guy like him away from um, Detroit. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where the Ravens try and pick up value, but, but they've got the money to put it into kind of one to one and a half top tier guys. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see what kind of decision that they go on that they've got to. And and I think the Ravens are generally pretty good at this, but I, I think my take right now is that they've got to decide today and maybe not today, but within the next two weeks, what they want to do in 2021. What do we want this team to look like? Do we do we want it to look like the exact same team that we've been running on offense the last two years? If so, that's not okay in my book, but load up in personnel in that case, right? Get three tight ends. Like John, a guy like John Smith has to be on this team then, right? Like you need three viable tight ends. You need a really good offensive line. You need good offensive line depth that's going to come behind those guys, right? And you got to invest in those spots if that's the kind of offense that you want to run. If you want to spread out more and you want to do things a little bit differently, then look for kind of guys that are going to be on the offensive line that are better at pass blocking, whatever, whatever those kind of metrics and things are bringing in the coordinator to run the pass game that is a fit for whatever that's going to be, making sure that Greg Roman is on board for having somebody tell him what he has to do in the pass game and give him the control or the ability to do that. All that's got to get decided before you start signing free agents, before you start figuring out what you want to do going into the draft. You know, this year was weird because of COVID to begin with, but ideally by the time we get to next year, you know, teams are going to be able to vaccinate. You're going to have practices in person. You're going to be able to do all the pre-training camp stuff that you weren't able to do this year. Make up your mind now and and be, and the Ravens, I think, are so bad at this sometimes, be intentional about what you're trying to accomplish, both with signings and with scheme as you head into this offseason. Yeah, I, I think that's clearly, you know, what, what the Ravens need to do. And, and they need to really take a really hard look at themselves and figure out who they are now um, and figure out if that's something that you can envision, you know, being a championship caliber team. And and I think that most of the pieces are there for them to be a championship caliber team. I think you have the quarterback in place, you know, you have, you know, a really good, you know, all pro left tackle. You have two like all pro corners. You have some veterans on defense. You really like, I think they have a lot of the pieces in place 
um, they just need to find a, f a couple more and whatever direction they want to go in, make sure that those are the guys that are going to come in and be the right fit for the system that you want to play. Because you can't go and, you know, make a splash move to bring in somebody who just doesn't fit what you want to do. I'm thinking about Tony Jefferson, for instance, someone who, you know, was a decent player. They, they spent a lot of money on him and he just wasn't a great fit for the for the defense because he couldn't do some of the things on the in the back end that that the, the Ravens really required of their safeties and, and he never really was the right fit even though you know he really tried hard and was a great teammate but he wasn't exactly what they needed to do they they can't afford to make that kind of decision and and bring in somebody who isn't going to make that the impact that you need in somebody you're spending that kind of money so Maybe going out and signing the top free agent wide receiver isn't something that makes sense because if the Ravens are going to just run the ball 500 times or however many times they want to do it, um, then that's not a great way to allocate your money because there's no reason to spend $15 million on a wide receiver if you're going to throw them the ball 100 times. Or maybe that's even a high-end estimate. But like, if that's the way you want to go, then you have to really commit to to becoming more of a team that's willing to pass the ball and, and not just passing the ball on third down you know passing the ball to to open up the running game and, and that's really i think what this offense should be i think you should be passing first and then allowing the running game to kind of support that and be even more deadly because of the ability to pass the ball and that that's where this team could be at its best in my opinion but I don't know if, if that's something that they envision or if, or if it's something that just isn't going to come into fruition with the, the people that they have on um, making, making decisions. And, and we'll have to wait and see what they do um, in this offseason. And it'll kind of indicate what, what they think about, you know, how they're going to, to take the team on the offensive side of the ball. And then, yeah, on defense, like, you know, Wink Martindale is an interesting player, or player uh, coach because he does things differently up front than a lot of coaches do. So I think you need players that kind of fit into a scheme. And that's why I think someone like Bowser is someone you really want to bring back because he has that versatility. You know, he can he can cover really well. He's one of the best coverage linebackers, um, definitely coverage outside linebackers in the NFL. And, he, and he's someone who can also rush the passer. He's better at the running game. Like, I think he's someone you really need to bring back, honestly, especially if you don't bring back Judon. Um, but maybe you don't need that pure ash rusher like a Shaquille Barrett or a Carl Lawson because they're honestly not that great against the run. They're really more of a pass rusher. So those are the kind of things you have to make your decision. Do you want the guy who can give you scheme versatility or do you want the guy who's going to, you know, maybe win a few more one-on-ones on the, on the edge? So it'll be interesting to see how they approach it. Um, obviously, limited resources. This is going to be an interesting draft year as well. We just learned today that the combine isn't going to happen. So um who knows how that affects you know, the the draft and that process as well? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fascinating off season, and we're hoping to kind of stay in touch with you guys over the course of that time. You know, breaking down the draft, breaking down free agents, breaking down this team, kind of what we saw from this year, keep it going. I, I I've certainly been, I'm still not over the loss, so I, my my negativity about you know probably some guys that I should be talking about more favorably on the Ravens. Or, or better performances either in this game against Buffalo or on the year are, are, are not being recognized right now, but that's just because I'm still sore <laughs> over this loss and kind of what happened. But I actually think the Ravens are in really good position. You know, the only, you know, Bowser is one of those guys that the, the Ravens have to figure out what they've got going on with him. But I think he's the only 
he would be the only guy kind of coming out of that draft class that I feel like, and, and maybe I'm forgetting somebody here, um, Gabe, that, that the Ravens really should try really hard to lock down, but everybody else is kind of locked up and locked in if they need it. And so even there's a lot of chatter that uh, extensions for Andrews or Jackson will have a negative impact on the 2021 cap, but I don't think that's going to be the case. I think any of those extensions may be, like all those guarantees and things are going to come after this upcoming season. And we're going to have kind of a true 30 million ish coming of cap space coming in. Any of those extensions will, it'll be spread out kind of, or it'll be, it'll kind of go far enough or they'll just put them off and they'll say, okay, look guys, this is the framework that we want to talk about and go into when we get to 2021, but we can't put it on paper yet because we need the cap space because we want to make a run in 2021. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Any any player like that who isn't going to isn't going to be a free agent this coming year, if they get extended, it's going to be because one, you can get them maybe at a discount, and two, you're going to push that money back anyway because that's just the way it's going to have to work, especially with this with this lower cap year probably in 2021, and then in 2022 and especially 2023, there's going to be really a large increase in the salary cap. Um, at least projected based off of what TV revenue is supposed to do to the to the overall league revenue. So, assuming that actually happens, which I'm I'm sure it's going to, because you know the NFL is still the biggest thing around. We're going to be looking at you know 20, 30, 40 million more than what we had in 2020. So that's going to allow players like Jackson to you know be paid 35 million dollars on the salary cap, and you're still going to have room to put players around him. So you know it's it's really some there's some guys who are in their third year that, that that's the big class for the Ravens um Jackson Andrews Orlando Brown um Deshaun Elliott um is another one who I think could get an extension Anthony Averett's someone who could get an extension um you know those last two wouldn't be the kind of big ticket names that some of the other ones would be but they also are players that I think are you know solid role players to above average um guys who really make an impact so I think there's a lot of things that the Ravens can do. I think they're a forward-looking organization, so they're going to definitely be looking down the road and seeing how all these things are going to work out, not just in 2021, but you know, two, three, four years and beyond. So that's the one thing I, I do firmly believe. You know, Eric DaCosta, I think, is still one of the best in the in the business, and I I, I do think that you know it's a team that's going to be on the or have the ability to contend for for many years. Um, down the road and I think that's anything you, you can ask for as a fan yeah absolutely well we'll get into all that offseason stuff once I uh, once I stop being a little sourpuss and, and get over this pretty brutal Ravens loss so um, thanks for tuning in guys check us out on Twitter um, Gabe's at Gabe Fergie I'm at Ravens sit room love to hear from you there and uh, look forward to talk about this offseason coming up save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.